Well, it's so good to be in the house of God today. Man. It really is. I love coming here. I was just talking to Pastor. It's so great that it's that it's like an open. You know, you can just come in whenever you want. I get distracted so easily. So coming to the church really just helps with that because there's no Xbox at the church. I don't know if you guys. I don't even know why you guys are here. There's no Xbox here. <laughs> but there's no Xbox here. There's no distraction. I don't even bring food here because that would distract me. It's just it's just a time to be just. You know, focused and tuned in. Oh, man. It's such crazy times that we're living in right now. I mean, like on Monday, it looked like the apocalypse because it's just like (laughs) yellow for no reason and just so much smoke. And I was thinking like, man, this day is kind of is I wouldn't say awful, but it was Labor Day and I was working. So already like, oh, you put the labor in Labor Day. That's how you do it. And I was reminded of Psalms 118, 24, and it says, This is the day that the Lord has made, and I will rejoice and be glad in it. And I had to stop and I had to rejoice, because that was a day that the Lord has made. That's what you know, the author said, that the qualification to rejoice in a day is that it's made by the Lord. And when you make your own day, you can do whatever you want with it. But for the days that are made by God, let's rejoice in it. Can we rejoice for a second? All right. Oh, thank you, Jesus, for this wonderful day. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. If I could have a quick little praise report. My parents pastor church in Spokane, and they don't have a building of their own. They have to rent, but they're just about to sign a new lease where they don't have to share another building with anyone. So I'm just so thankful for that. I'm rejoicing with them because it's something that they've wanted for a very long time. And, uh, man, it's just so, it's so exciting. So excited to see plans, promises come to pass. And we're going to talk about the day. We're going to go to Habakkuk or Habakkuk. I was debating with Brother Cliff, and I don't know how to pronounce it. Habakkuk or Habakkuk uh, chapter 2. We're going to start at verse 2. And really this prophet Habakkuk, I'm going to say Habakkuk because that's just what I decided right now. And it's one of the least known about writers in the entire Bible. There's not much to go off except for his name is Habakkuk, and he's a prophet. But what we do know is he's living in a time around 600 B.C. in the southern kingdom of Israel. It's called Judah. And around this time, there's so much turmoil and chaos and uncertainty. And there's just, there's just so much unrighteousness in the land. There's people just worshiping false idols because they think it's right. And that's just what they said is right. There's false prophets that are saying things that God didn't say. And their people are believing them. And Habakkuk has had enough of it. And he starts off in, in uh, chapter 1. I again, didn't give you that over there just, just as context. He's crying out the burden which Habakkuk the prophet did see. How long am I going to cry out for this injustice, this unrighteousness? It's a burden. It weighs heavily on his heart. The law goes out slack. It doesn't do anything. No one is following the law. And God responds. He says, I'm going to send captivity by way of the, Chald- the Chaldeans or the Babylonians as we know them. And they're an evil nation. They're just the worst people. And they're going to come in and they're going to take you and there's, they're going to destroy the place. But I allowed them to go there. I sent them. He said, I raised them up. They were purpose. Their only purpose was captivity. Their only purpose was to execute the judgment of God. Wow. If there wasn't for that, the Babylonians might not even exist. But there was a purpose that needed to be there. So he raised them up. And Habakkuk didn't like that. He said uh, in, in 12 of 1, Art thou not from everlasting, O Lord my God, mine holy one? He's like saying, why though? Why? You could just like make an end to this right now. And then 
He says in uh, 2 verse 1, I will stand upon my watch. This is Habakkuk. And set me upon the tower and will watch to see what he, God, will say, what he will answer me when I am reproved. He is making a stand. I will hear from God on this. I will get a response. He is actually in the middle of a conversation with God. He asked and God answered and then he asked again. And now we're going to hear the answer starting at verse 2. And the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision, make it plain upon tables or tablets, that he may run that readeth it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it shall speak and not lie. Though it tarry, wait for it, because it will surely come. It will not tarry. And our focus verse along with another one is uh, verse 4. Behold, his soul which is lifted up is not upright in him, but the just. Say, but the just. But the righteous. Say righteous. It's the same word. Shall live by his faith. I was misquoting it when I was writing it down. I said by faith, but the righteous shall live by his faith. What is our faith? What is my faith? And whenever faith is brought up, I immediately go to Hebrews 1, 11 and 1, which uh, I'm, I'm sure most of us know by heart. And I thought I was just going to memorize it, so I didn't even put it in there. Uh, but it goes, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Evidence of things not seen. I was, I found Habakkuk one day just in the Bible, because that's where it is. It's in the Bible. It's in between a bunch of these small prophets. Actually, pages of this book, Habakkuk, were stuck together. There's whole pages I didn't even know existed in my Bible, because I just never went there. And I was like, all right, I'll, it's, it's three chapters. It's a quick read. But it's such a deep read. All these books, of all these prophet books, so deep, so heavy with, with uh, visions and, and things that are just way above my head. So I have to like study and have to get a, a, a translation for like kids. Like You guys probably would understand it first before I do. Because I, I want to know what's happening and I just don't know. So you have to study it. You have to go deep into it. And when you go too deep, you, know, you can't really go too deep. I, I was thinking, I'm never going to reach a point where like, I've done it. I understand everything in Ezekiel. Boom. It's not going to happen. Not with a, not where I am right now. It probably won't ever happen. And that's okay. Because we have a little bit of time to do that, right? As long as we keep at it. But then when I got to this, write the vision, make it plain. Put it upon tables so that he may read it will run. For the vision is yet for an appointed time. And it reminded me of these banners over here. We have Vision 2020. I remember when we put up the banners, we had big plans. We knew what 2020 is going to look like. It was going to be so great. Ah, We never said pandemic in 2020. I didn't. Someone did. Maybe. Someone did. Someone planned for it. And we didn't. And it felt blindsiding, if you excuse the pun. Blindsiding, really, just to be hit with everything at once. I remember I was going to go on spring break to Spokane for a little bit. Uh, and then we're going to come back and we're going to go to youth conventions. It's going to be so great. Kids, we're going to get the Holy Ghost. And the plan changed quickly, suddenly, just boom, like that. Everything is canceled. School's online. It was tough. And, and coming back every once in a while, I was seeing these banners. It almost felt like, like it was taunting us, taunting me. You thought you had a vision. You thought you had a plan. Now what about it now? I'm like, well, bummer. Because we, we have 
set out on all these goals and all these aspirations. And, and it kind of feels like, like we're Habakkuk in, in chapter 1, verse 12. Art thou not from, from everlasting? Aren't you everything, O God? Uh, we shall not die, right? O Lord, thou hast ordained them for judgment. Almighty, thou hast established them for correction. He's asking why. Why, 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 why? Why are you doing this? They're, they're evil. They're awful. He says that they, they have nets and they, they catch up creeping things. And then they worship the nets. They don't even, they're just, they burn incense into the drag. They, they worship things of this world. They don't worship you. And God's probably saying, neither do you guys. I don't know what you were thinking. But Habakkuk is this just man in this unjust world. And it's so similar to us right now. If you, if you just look at, at the history of this time, of where they're at right now, they just had one of the best kings to ever rule, Josiah, King Josiah. He made immediate reform at eight years old. Who's eight? Are any of you eight? How old are you? You're not eight? Okay, so one day. Six. six two years. You're going to be just like King Josiah. But King Josiah, eight years old, decided to make incredible reform. What, he, what that means is that he decided to tear down things. At eight years old, his dad was awful, so he didn't get it from his dad. But something inside of him said, we got to make things right. And that was even before they had any books of the law. No one knew where the books of the law. No one knew where, where, where the, the, the law, what Moses had, what God had written for Moses and told Moses to write down these things that they're supposed to keep. They didn't even keep the Passover anymore at that time. But a few years after King Josiah took reign and he decided to make reform, he found, someone found these books, this law, this only book of the law. And he read it and he rent his clothes. He became all out for it because he knew that they were doing something wrong. He was on the right path, but now he had the whole picture. He knew what he was supposed to do. He established the Passover. He, he put in place uh, uh, laws that would not condone idolatry. He tore down the high places. He burnt bones of priests who were committing idolatry. He was serious. He didn't take, he was saying, we got to get this done right now. And then King Josiah dies and it all goes back to the way it was. There was his son, which is a Jehoiakim. I don't know. It starts with a J and it's hard to pronounce and I didn't spend too much time learning it. But his son was just as bad as, as, as his grandfather. And he went back to the old ways, and God was not happy. And if you read in Isaiah and Jeremiah, it talks about this transition back and how evil these people were again, and that he's going to send judgment. And Habakkuk is in the middle of this, in between where he probably sees the Babylonians on the horizon coming in to try to take over this kingdom. And he sees these people not living in God or, or trying to change their lives. And he just says, God, why are you doing this? Why is this happening? But he was frustrated, right? He's very frustrated. This thing is frustrating. When we see all around us, we see our government not doing what we think it should do. When we see these people who say they're living for God, but they're, it feels like there's not and there's no one's listening. And you're trying to get this word out and it doesn't feel like it's falling. You just get frustrated and eventually you cry out. But thank goodness God responds to those who cry out. And God is willing to have a conversation with someone who's, who's ready to listen. Habakkuk was ready to listen. I will stand upon my watch and I will wait for an answer. I don't know when the last time I said I'm going to wait for an answer. I, I don't like writing emails that say I'm waiting for an answer because it means I don't have the answer yet. I'm going to have to wait. I have to write another email. I don't like that. But Habakkuk says I'm waiting for an answer. 
I'm going to stand right here. And then the Lord answered him, and he said, write the vision. And God, and God gives him a vision, and he writes it down. Thank goodness. That's why we have the book of Habakkuk. And, but verse 4 just caught hold of me after like, learning about all that. He said, but the just shall live by his faith. What is his faith in? God wanted Habakkuk's faith to be in the vision, to be in what God had told him. Our faith needs to be in what God tells us. And to, to go all the way to the New Testament book of Hebrews, uh, Hebrews is another one that I have to really take a lot of time to digest and study because there's so many words, and they're just all together, and they're, they're, they're big. And I, I, don't, I don't know how to do big words sometimes, so I, I just... Uh, I just read it and I ponder. It's like, hmm, that would be a good thought to study on later. And then I move on to something easier, like, uh, like Hebrews 11.1. 1. <laughs> Words I can read. <laughs> they don't say testament. I was like, oh, that's so great. Um, but I was reading it, and I was like, there's got to be a deeper understanding to this. i got to go really deep into this. And I went to this thing called a Strong's Concordance. Yes. And luckily, they're online, so I didn't even have to like, pick one up. That was great. <laughs> So uh, it's, it's very thick. I, I remember uh, growing up, my dad would just like, be studying out of it. I'm like, I don't know what he's doing, because that's not the Bible, but it's bigger. <laughs> and these words, every single word, almost every single word in the King James Bible is found in the Strong Concordance, and it's deciphered originally back to the original language. And Hebrews is written in Greek because it's in the New Testament. And I was using these tools, and I'm going to try to pronounce them right, but we already know words, not a strong suit. Greek words, whew. I was going to try to make a joke, like, it's all Greek to me, but, like, I can't even. I'm just, like, so flustered by the Greek words. And when reading Hebrews 11 and 1, we go through, and it says, uh, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Three words jumped out to me, just the faith. Faith, I mean, it's kind of like what I was trying to get with the definition. You can't define a word with a word, the same word. It doesn't work that way. So I was like, all right, you got to go deeper into what faith means. And the original Greek for this is pistis. Don't, don't question me about that. I don't know if it's right, but it's pistis, and it means persuasion. So let's put, throw that in there. In math, you can do this thing called substitute. When you know something, you can put it in there. It might make it easier to solve. I'm looking at this from a math brain right now, and it's not even that good. It's, whew. Thank you. Thank you. I'm sorry. I'll, I'll try to explain it. Now, persuasion is the substance. Now, substance is uh, originally in his Greek is hypostasis, which means foundation. So now persuasion is the foundation of things hoped for. Now hope is elpizo. It means to expect, to wait joyfully, and to trust. Now persuasion is the foundation of expectation. Thank you. It's all in the Bible. It's all in the Bible. In Habakkuk 2 and Hebrews 11, you know, I just draw the conclusion because faith is the same word in the two, in English at least, in the two books that I just put them together. But it just kept on sticking out to me and I kept on building upon it. And how does Habakkuk 2 and Hebrews 11 mix? They're two separate time periods. They're all across the Bible. They're in different eras. But they're all working together for the same meaning. The Hebrew word for faith used in Habakkuk 2, it means a firmness or a steadfastness. And that stuck out to me because during the pandemic, my uh, parents and I and my brother, we all would uh, say Psalms 91 together before bed. 
and you know when you and I can quote it by heart now, but when you see something over and over again, you kind of look into it a little bit. At least I do. In 91.4 says, He shall cover thee with his feathers, and under his wings shalt thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. There's other translations of the Bible. And, and his truth shall be thy shield and buckler. In other translations, it says, His faithfulness shall be your shield and buckler. Now, the truth is that his truth is the truth. And that's as plain as I can say that. That's the absolute truth. And the truth of that is that he is faithful. And his faith should be our persuasion that God does not lie. And that what he said is going to do is going to happen. And he said that in Habakkuk 2 and 3, he says the vision is yet for a appointed time, but it will come. It's going to take a long time, but it's going to come. All right? Does that make sense? Is something, is something connecting here? I wrote down some stuff. I have no clue if it's working. But the author of Hebrews connected this Old Testament faith that's used all throughout. And in fact, he even goes into it further down in Hebrews 11. He's given us a definition for our personal faith. That our personal faith is a persuasion. All right, it, with the foundation of everything being that expectation. And it's not just something we say or believe in. It's not saying, I have faith or I'm in the faith. It's something that we are. We are in faith. We, are, we have to be faithful that's our that's got to be our foundation and our faith is really a persuasion and when you persuade someone of something if they're fully bought in they're not going to think otherwise have you ever been persuaded about something i know cooper is persuaded that the seattle seahawks are the best team maybe not like in roster but they're just the best team they're the coolest team they got the coolest quarterback he's persuaded you cannot argue with them otherwise about that he is persuaded and bought in if I can be as persuaded about the gospel as Cooper's about the Seahawks, then I'm going to heaven. And that is a fact. So what is our persuasion in? When we, become, when we become persuaded that what God says is going to happen, then we can build our expectations on top of that firm foundation of truth. God had to tell Habakkuk, and through telling him, he told me because I read it, that the just live by faith. But what was his faith in? He wanted faith in God's plan. God laid out the plan to Habakkuk and said the just will live by his faith. And my faith has got to be in God's plan. That that vision, that's still a plan going on. We just didn't throw that up there for nothing. We didn't just throw it up there just because it looks pretty. Because it does look pretty. It, you know, it's got four panels. It's in different colors. And those words on there have meaning. Dream, believe, plan, act. I still believe in all of those words, even though for a moment when we were took, took, taken away from all of that, it seemed like all hope had been lost. And the plan is just we got to go to plan B. God doesn't deal in plan Bs. That's right. It said that, that uh, in Ephesians, in throughout the entire New Testament, Paul says that, that the cross has been the plan, the plan since the foundation of the world, since before the world began, once you put the world, world on, that plan had been in place. And I remember when we were first put up the words and, and we were doing teachings on each of the words. And dream, I remember the most because I just, I, I've not been much of a dreamer. I have a big imagination, but like I don't dream super big. I dream cool. And then we just go with it. It's the first plan. I'm like, cool. That's good. That's good. Some people... You know, try to change the world. And I'm like, oh, we can live in this. It's okay. And maybe that's not always the best plan. 
but dream. And I saw the word dream that stood out to me in, in remember the teaching. And Joseph is one of the best examples of the dreamer. I remember pastor talking about Joseph and so did Sister Corey. And Joseph at a young age, he had two God-given dreams. And they were, he couldn't like just dream otherwise. I've never had a dream where I, people bow to me. It just doesn't happen. I dream like, like I'm getting bit by a spider, but I'm chill with it. I don't know what's going on. I need help. And and then I just don't remember my other dreams, so maybe that's telling me something. But he had two dreams. In one dream, there was a, there's 12 sheaves, and they're all bowing to him. And then the other dream was that uh, he was the center star, and then all the other stars and the moon and the, and the sun were bowing to him too. And he had dreams, God-given dreams, and he was not afraid to tell anyone about it. And that might have been a problem. A little bit of a problem, you think. But maybe it's not. Maybe it's not a big problem. So one, uh, he told his brothers, and uh, they deciphered that the, that the stars and the sheaves bowing to him were them bowing to him, and they weren't big fans of that. And it didn't help that he was the obvious favorite. Does anyone know what made Joseph the favorite? His That's good. No, I think that's that's just about it. You you said like thirteen chapters of Genesis. And you condensed it very nicely, but that was great, and that's all correct too. That was all great, and you could, and that's that's why he favored him, right? Because that was the the firstborn of the favorite wife. You're absolutely correct. Excellent. Excellent. Yes. Yeah. No. No. You got to decipher it sometime. Yeah. But then he showed, Easton. Do you know how how uh, Joseph was shown to be the favorite? There's, there's one thing I'm really asking for, this coat, <laughs> the coat of many colors, and probably the other stuff too. In fact, uh, he was a favorite. He tattletailed on his brothers all the time. So you're, you, you were going to get there too, I know. <laughs> oh, I want to read Easton's translation of Genesis. I think that'd be great. Praise God. That's so good though. Yeah, keep up with that, man. Because I didn't, I didn't even want to get into those details, but you got it. You got it. So he was the obvious favorite because he did, he did artwork and he had a coat of many colors. The coat of many colors. And that's how they could tell. And one day this dreamer was told to go spy on his brothers working in the field. And when his brothers saw him, they, were, they just were fed up with having a little brother. And they started plotting and scheming and conniving on how to deal with their little brother. And the killing was brought up, but the one brother said, no, we can't do that. That's, that's too far. So they decided to put him in a pit and sell him. And the verse that sticks out to me is Genesis 37, 19 through 20. And they said to one another, Behold, this dreamer cometh. Come now, therefore, and let us slay him and cast him into some pit. And we will say some evil beast has devoured him. And we shall see what will become of his dreams. That's, that's, that's foreboding. If I could use a big word. Man, could you imagine someone just walking around saying, we're going to see what becomes your dreams after I do this to you. And it kind of felt like that's what the whole year 2020 was. Uh Oh, at at least past 
March. And in past March there, we, we dealt with the pandemic and, and, you know, just personal attacks on families. I haven't experienced or seen as many other people and myself being affected by family member deaths ever. I remember in the previous years, like I've just been, I felt like I've just been so blessed that none of my family members died, but my grandmother passed this past year. And that was, that was tough for us. And on top of like the situation, you can't go into the hospital. So it was, it was just, it was, everything just felt coming together. What is going to become of your dreams when you're devastated and when you're destroyed and when you're pressed down? It's like this year is plotting against us. How are we going to take them out? I have notes from, from vision meetings that we had of our youth, and we're going to do this, we're going to do that, and it's going to be such a blast, and we're going to go places, and we couldn't go anywhere. But maybe that was the plan the entire time, not for us to just, no fun. You know, I think God likes to have fun every, every once in a while. I remember in January, we set our goal for our She's for Christ offering. We had, we had a great year last year. We, I think our goal was like 5,000 last year, and we hit 5,500 or 5,700, no, 5,500. And, and we decided to make a new goal. It's going to be a little bit more. And we didn't know, we had no clue about quarantine. We're like, yeah, we're going to raise it to 5,700. That's going to be a blessing. And we hit 5,700, but we hit like a lot more than 5,700. And shame on me for not thinking that that could happen. Because I thought, like, immediately, how are we going to do our Sheaves for Christ offerings? How are we going to get together? But God made a way, and we got $10,225.33, very important, from this church for Sheaves for Christ. I cannot believe I did not have any faith in God's plan, even when this seemed to me like it was impossible to do. It was just, you know, well, better luck next time. Next year is going to be a big bounce back year. No, this is the year. Is this year's a jumping off point, not a bounce back year next year. This is where we're going to keep on going and going and going. Imagine if Joseph had given up because of his situation. I mean, just look at it. He found himself in a pit, being sold into slavery, being falsely accused of rape, thrown in and forgotten in prison. And from that, he finds himself second in command of the most prominent nation of the time. And... At the end of everything, his brothers are the one bowing down to him. His dreams happened. What the vision that God gave him actually happened. And he was maybe trying to get some revenge on them later. Maybe he was trying to, you know, mess them up, test them or something. But in Genesis 45 and 8, he's, he's talking to his brother. He reveals himself because he was kind of hiding. He was kind of speaking, he's speaking Egyptian to kind of psych him out because... Egyptians, they probably had like the painted face and you couldn't tell. And it's been 14 years. How could you tell? And his brothers had no clue that it was Joseph on the throne. But Joseph couldn't take it anymore. And, and, he, and he saw the way that they were treating the brothers. And then he noticed something. And so now it was not you. It was not your brothers. It was not your actions that sent me here. It wasn't you throwing me into the pit. It wasn't you that sent me here, but God he has sent me a father to Pharaoh and a lord to all his house and a ruler for all the land of God. We're just in the middle of something right now. But our dreams are still going to happen because God said it's going to happen. Not because anyone tries anything against us. It's going to happen if he said so. It was not his brothers that put him there, but it was God putting him there. I believe that God arranged the Ishmaelites to be at the right spot at the right time to buy Joseph. I believe that he arranged Potiphar to need a servant. He arranged the butler, the baker, and the pharaoh to have dreams. Also, God's plan can work out. I do not know what God has in store. No one does. But if you have had a vision from God, if you have had a plan or a word spoken over you, it's time to write them down. 
It's time to write it down because it's going to come to pass. What God has said is going to happen will happen. The route, the journey, the destination is the key. The journey is going to be tough. People say it's, oh, it's all about the journey. Sometimes the journey is awful. Have you ever tried to go over the pass in the winter? It is a nightmare. But you get over it eventually. The journey can be awful sometimes. And it doesn't look like if you're going to ever get there. It may look like a desert. It may look like harsh and, and foreboding and just how are we going to get through this? But Isaiah 43, 18 and 19, Remember ye not the former things, neither consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth, shall ye not know it. I will even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. The just, this is not in there, the just will live by his faith. What is your faith in? What is my faith in? God can make ways in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. He can do literally whatever he wants. And he's not going after you. He's not coming to get you. He had to put people in judgment for a time, for a season. But if you had had things spoken over you, if you had a word of God over your life, it's going to happen. I I don't want you. I know it's tough and it seems desert and barren and it might never happen, but it's going to happen. Hebrews 11 is, is called the faith chapter. And it's starting at verse 4. The author lists person after person. Uh, these, these great figures in the Bible that we you know that we read about and we can find them elsewhere in the Bible. And they all start, every one of their introductions is started with by faith. Now, the just will live by his faith. By faith, Abel offered a more excellent sacrifice. By faith, Enoch was translated. By f- and, and then in 6 it says, But without faith is it impossible. It is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is. And that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. When we walk by faith it's because we're walking to God. We are looking after God because we know he is. By faith Noah being warned of. Of God. God talked to Noah, and Noah was living in a time where it never rained. And he said, It's going to rain. And by faith, Noah said, It's gonna rain. I gotta make this boat. And he did it. And it took a long time, but he did it. And there was probably days where people were laughing at him and saying, You're not gonna rain. I've never heard of that. That doesn't exist. It's never gonna happen. But Noah just kept on putting nail and after nail in that wood. By faith, Abraham, when he was called out to go into a place that he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed. And he went out not knowing whether he went. Abraham, when he was called Abram, before his name changed, he lived in a place with his father and his family. And then God just called him out and he left. He just went by faith because he heard, he saw, he listened to this God that is. It wasn't like those other gods that he probably worshipped. Or that his family may be worshipped in the country, in the, the city of Ur, or the nation of Ur. I have no clue. It's in, it's in Mesopotamia if you want to look at it. And this God wasn't like any other God because this God responded and it talked and it was alive and it was living. And he called him. I don't think any other God ever has called unto anyone. There are stories of, of this, this, this God, Allah, talking to this dude, Muhammad, and his head gets set on fire. I don't think that actually happened, but I know that God has talked to me because I felt it. I've heard it. I have, I've been led by it. And by faith, by faith, by faith, all throughout this chapter, there's men and women of God going by faith. 
But sometimes when we go by faith, we get stopped because we make foolish decisions not in faith. Abraham is one of the big examples. He has so many verses in this chapter where it says, by faith, Abraham, by faith, by faith. But with not in faith, him and Sarah tried to speed up the plan of God. They knew the plan was going to happen, but they tried to make it their own way, and they tried to push things into action. Abraham was 86, and when he received the promise, he was 75. So by that time, so many years had passed of just nothing, and Sarah was still barren. So Sarah had the bright idea of, you know what, As if I give you my handmaiden, it's like by proxy I have this kid, right? It's still, it's by, it's still in the plan, right? And Abraham's like, yep, and he went with it. And it wasn't the plan. His, his, his plan, his seed was supposed to be with, with his children was supposed to be with Sarah, not with anyone else. But then in verse 11 of chapter 11, it says, Through faith also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed. She's the one that gave the idea, yet she's still recognized to have the faith. Just because we mess up, God does not call us by our mistakes. He doesn't call us by our past. Even while we're walking in faith and we just take a detour, he calls us by our faith. Wow. That, wow. And, and it, even though they were impatient, they were still faithful because eventually they had a kid and this kid grew up and he had kids. And, and you go through, and what about Jacob, the, the supplanter, the, the schemer, the conniver? He, he, he and uh, whatever that guy's name, who's getting the, the wife from. Easton, what's the... What's, uh, no? Okay, well, sorry. He tried to uh, scheme and connive the guy who schemed him, and he took a bunch of sheep, and he, he lied. He stole a whole birthright. I, I can't even do that. And, you know, I, I don't know what happened. He stole a whole birthright, yet he's not mentioned as the one who stole the birthright. He's mentioned as blessing both to sons by faith. What about, oh, man, what about Moses, the murderer? Remember when he murdered someone? God doesn't call him the murderer. He calls him the one by faith. And Samson, Samson, oh my goodness, there's, there's, enough, uh, there's enough in Samson to make like an HBO special, man. It's, it's nuts. But he doesn't call Samson the, the, the HBO special. Because that would be weird. No one would understand what that means. But he says... But he said, uh, who, who through faith, you talk about Samson and, and David, who also murdered and adultered, probably another HBO show, honestly. He mentioned that through faith, subdued kings and kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promise, stopped the mouths of lion, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, mixed, valiant in fight, turned to flight the armies of the aliens or the intruders. Women received their dead, raised to life again. Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. See, by faith, all these, all these men and women who had mistakes, you can read through. This Bible is a book of people who had mistakes, but of one God who fixes mistakes and looks over mistakes and doesn't look at it anymore. And it could be a stumbling block to us because we walk and walk and walk, and then something reminds us of our lack of faith previously, and then that stops us. God doesn't do that. He makes sure that, that that doesn't happen. He doesn't even look at it. It says he turns away as far as east is from the west. That's how far it is. If you ever tried to walk east and get to west, it doesn't. It can't happen. It can't happen. It doesn't work that way. You can go north and go south eventually. You have to swim a little bit. But just the distance between where God has put your sins and where he's put you is remarkable. It's incredible. You can't cross it. You can't go to it. Once it's in the past, it's in the past. 
I'm about to close, and I'm just going to say, where is your faith today? I, uh, I know it seems like God, what God said, it would never happen. It's, it's too impossible. It's too crazy. It's taken too long for it to happen, but you just have to believe. You just have to put your faith in the one who is. And I just, I feel like I need to tell someone to write down your vision. I know you've had things said over you. I know there's been words spoken. You Maybe you just listened to it on a podcast, but it felt to you. Or maybe you went to a conference and it was just right at you. You got to write that down. Amen. You got to remember. You got to look at it. Uh, for Abraham's promise, God gave him two things to look at. He said, your seed will be as the dust of the ground. And they'll be like numbered as the stars in the sky. And I heard it one time that he said that. So when Abraham was walking... And it was hot. He had to look down. But then he could just start counting all the dust he was looking at. He said, one, two, three, four. And it was a tough day. And he went again. And then when his knife and he was walking, he could look up and he counted his seat. His children is going to be like, that's 102, 103. Just because God gave him something to look at and to count on and to, to put his faith in. that That's the promise God has given me. If there's something that God has given you a promise in, you got to write that down. you got to remember it. Because what God says will come to pass. Amen. Amen. I think that's it for today. We could stand. And Pastor, could you dismiss in prayer? Sure. Amen. Lord Jesus, we are so very thankful, Lord, for the, your word that is faith, God. We're thankful for truth and life. We're thankful, Lord, for this word that Brother Colton has spoken to our lives here tonight, Lord. God, of all the days, Lord, this is the hour and the day that you've called us to show God and to be faithful, Lord. And we know that we need your strength, God. We need that you to be with us every step of the way. We know that you are with us. We pray that you continue to bless, lead us, and guide us, Lord. And give us, Lord, let us participate in a great revival and a great harvest of souls, we pray. In Jesus' name.